and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, this is Lloyd Grolleman, the Aussie Pastor, coming to you from Northwest Sydney on a, another cloudy day, Hunty. G'day, mate. He's our, what do you call it, co-host? Co-host, producer, whatever. Yeah, producer, director, boss. Guy sits in the dark. Makes a lot of noise. <laughs> <laughs> mate, it's great to be here. It's always good to have you here too, mate. What well, a, man, what a great week. Great program on every, this afternoon. We have, but yeah. every single time we, we bring a program on and we're looking at what we're going to do and how we're going to encourage people to look at Jesus and it, it, and we're looking at the news, we just can't seem to escape, no matter how you try, COVID-19. Oh, dear. So now we have a new virus, Omicron. Omicron. How do you say it? Omicron. It's a Greek letter of the alphabet. Yeah, and I get that. In fact, they, they missed out the Z-I because they didn't want to offend the Chinese, which is fair enough too. Um, and did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, they did. Thank the, you. the next, the next one was going to be called ZI something or other, and it was a little close to the to the Chinese president. They didn't want to offend him, and nor should we. And um, so they they moved on to the very next letter of the Greek alphabet, and it's Omricon. And this virus is again threatening the world, just as you think we're recovering from Delta. We get another one. This might not be the problem that it's deemed to be. They're already saying this might be less than Delta and it might be good for our immune system. I've learnt not to take too much notice of what they yeah, say. That's true, especially in the early days. That's a few days <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, you're right. It, it could be, it could be, end up being the worst thing that's ever happened. Who knows? Hey, can I give a plug for our Ask the Aussie Pastor segment? Yeah. Good. So we've got a couple of really cool things happening today. We've got uh, Dr. Timothy Standish coming on. He is an expert on many scientific things, DNA, creation, evolution, etc. If you would like to send a question through to him or a question for our Aussie pastor, Pastor Lloyd, then you can text them to us on 0488-880-851 or you can email them to us and the email address is info at aussiepastor.com. We've got some texts in too, haven't we? Yeah, we've got a few already, which is great. A few curly questions. One curly question, you're fun answering that. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, someone texted us back and said that I didn't answer a question properly last week. No, you got rebuked, and they said you were wrong. Well, (laughs) I... I, uh, I contest that. Okay. <laughs> I can, am I allowed to do that? Yes. I, I, yes. Can, I contest that. <laughs> yeah, we've, got, we've got the control room buttons in here. We can say what we like. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, we're really glad you've joined us today, and I hope and pray, like I always do when we start these programs, and we pray, you know, we pray about this program as we're preparing it, as we're always. about to go to air. Always. I really hope and pray that what you get out of this program today, more than anything else, is a little glimpse of Jesus and how beautiful he is. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Well, as I said, it's news time, hunting. We is. don't seem to be able to escape COVID nineteen, but we are going to escape COVID nineteen as we do the news because I reckon there are better things to talk about. Indeed, 
much better. Did you did you read the article? And and for those of you who are interested, how do we actually do this news section? Well, it's pretty relevant. It's pretty new. We scour the newspapers and we're listening uh, to the radio. And Hunty's on on his television program in the morning, <laughs> and we're just trying to find uh, news pro news items which we think might be interesting and perhaps just illustrate the times we live in. And this one, a stowaway. Did you come across this? I did, and I was just amazed at what the human body can survive. Actually, it is amazing. This guy comes from Guatemala, which yes. is in Central America. Yes. And he's flying to the United States of America, Miami. Uh, now, that's a flight of... Have you been to Guatemala? Uh, no. No, but you've been to Miami, I'm sure. Yes, yes. I've never been to Miami or Guatemala. Miami, Florida. Yes. And, and the amazing thing is this plane goes 30,000, 35,000 feet in the air. Correct. And he survives. Ten kilometres up, freezing cold and no oxygen. He should not have survived. Correct. That is a miracle. It is. In fact, every single other example I've heard of someone stowing away, and, and I mean, how desperate must you be to stow away in the landing gear yes. of an aircraft to get to America? And, and risk being crushed. Yeah. You know, I was reading, uh, only three out of ten people have jobs in Guatemala at the moment. So that's probably what he's trying to escape. And, and the people have got almost no hope. I, I read also that, the, the U.S. are sending back three plane loads of Guatemalans each day that they are arresting and sending home. Desperate people in desperate. a desperate place, yep. desperately trying to get a life for themselves and for their families, so desperate that they're prepared to get into the wheel arch of a plane mm. yep. and risk their life. Yep. And, and really, it's more than a risk. It's almost a, a, a sure guarantee you're going to die. The guy, they land the aeroplane, he falls out of the well arch, kind yep. of gets up, they take him to the hospital, yep. he walks away unscathed. Yep. Probably, unfortunately, to get sent back to they Guatemala. To get sent back, yep. After all that. But it just gives you a sense and a feel how desperate people are in the world today mm. and how blessed and fortunate we are to live in Australia. Even if you're doing it hard at the moment in Australia, we are blessed. So blessed. Compared to the rest of the world. True. Uh, uh, did you see those refugees lining up uh, over there in Europe on the border of Poland? Oh, that breaks my heart. It does, doesn't it? Nowhere to go, no food. The middle of winter. Uh, middle of winter. I've never yeah, been to Poland, but I've, I've heard in winter it's a... Well, not it's not the middle of winter, it's the start of winter, but I've heard it's a, a very, very cold place in, in in winter. These people come from Africa and from the Middle East. Yep. And they kind of got caught between uh, um, the Polish border guards and the country that they were coming in from. It, Pol it, it, politics, it's very sad. It was. Mm. It was. And you can't help but feel really sorry and sympathetic... I know Australia is not a country that really feels that sympathetic toward refugees, but if you stop for a moment and just put yourself in their shoes, yes. it's something to feel sympathetic about, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, extreme heat wave, hunty. Yeah, well, my son lives in the Northern Territory, and he... Well, this is... Is this a Northern Territory? Kim no stranger. Kimberley, Pilgrim? Oh, it's top top left-hand corner of Australia, Western Australia, actually. Yeah, it is. Have you been up there, have you? I have many times. Well, yeah. I thought that... Now, I'm going to get into trouble on radio here. Uh-oh. For sure. Uh-oh. I thought the Pilbara was further down toward the bottom of Australia, but it's up near the top. Man, you know what? I need to go on a trip we, around Australia. We should. Make some videos on the way. You've been... I know you've been to the Pilbara. So, it's, it's up north past... What, right up past uh, where? Yeah, it's top end. It's... um. Mm. I guess uh, just east of Broome. Okay. East of Broome. A long way well, east. If it, was east of, if it was east of Broome, you'd be out to sea. Broome's on. Oh, no. East is inland. Broome is west. We're, yeah. We're, yeah, we're on, yeah, we're on the. We're on the east coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> um, this heat wave. Yes. 
unnatural or normal? Well, we're going to record temperatures uh, this week coming up that will be the hottest on Earth. We will be the hottest country in the world. Actually, that's happened quite a bit, though, in Australia. Well, yeah, because we're in, in fact, summer there in winter. <laughs> every, every, yeah, that's right. Every summer we pretty much get that. But they're uh, talking 45-plus degrees. Is that normal for that sort of area? 41 oh. is typically the high. So 45. So 45-plus is extreme. I remember a couple of years ago coming home from church in the middle of summer, on the freeway, I'd actually dropped a couple of our church members off, uh, Cindy and Andy. I remember that. Uh, Anthony, Anthony, sorry, yeah. uh, up in, up in um, that they lived up toward the Blue Mountains, and I dropped them off, and I'm coming back on the freeway. It hit. Now, I don't know how accurate your car is, 51 degrees. Wow. Yeah, really. Wow. The air conditioning wasn't working properly. Oh, dear. It was really struggling. Do you think these heat waves are a sign of the times we live in, of a world breaking down, or, or just normal... Oh, you're probably right. I actually think that the Earth goes through cycles of hot and cold. I think it's end times. End times, yeah. I think the world. I think you're right. I, I think there are some cyclical thing here, but I think also the world's breaking down. Yep. And we're we're going to see more and more heat waves, more and more floods, more and more disasters. Yes, the yeah, Bible says that. Yes, yeah, things deter. I think it's definitely end times. What about this one? The asteroid defence. I found this. Very oh, I love this story. I actually watched the launch. Oh, did I you watched it live? Yeah. What have they launched? So what they've launched, they've launched a, a really modern high-tech spacecraft about the size of a vending machine, and they're sending it, believe this or not, it's travelling right now six kilometres a second, and it's going to travel at this speed for the next 11 months, and the plan is to blast it into... So it's full of explosives, is it? No, no, no. No? When you, when you run something in at six kilometres a second, it's, it, the equal energy is, is equal to even many nuclear small, bombs. Even of a small... A, a vending small machine doing 6,000 kilometres an hour is going to bump this thing off its course. And what, is it headed for Earth or are they just yeah, practicing? No, no, it's headed for, um, I think it's an asteroid or some sort of a small planet. It's an asteroid. No, it's an asteroid. Yeah. <laughs> small planet. <laughs> small planet. <laughs> asteroid. You're going to get us into trouble yeah, for the, the edu- educated That's people right. out there, mate. So their plan is to bump this asteroid pretty hard and hopefully put it off its uh, typical Is it headed path. for Earth, though, or is it just a... Pra- oh, no, no, no this, this asteroid's not headed for Earth. No, they're practising. NASA's practising. That's right. For one that will be headed for In, Earth. Well, we sometimes get what we get, comets and things that come close. Yeah, yeah. So then NASA wants to know if they hit something hard enough, can they bump it off its... So it's an experiment. Current, it's experiment, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. wow. And, and we'll, see, we'll see it in 11 months' time. We'll see it hit. That'll be interesting. We'll, if we're still on radio in 11 months' time, and God willing we will be, we'll come back and yeah, we'll we talk will. about that well, one. we will. It's a ripper. Yeah. Good on them. Good on them. For, because when an asteroid, say, the size of a city bus was to hit the Earth, it would do a fair bit of damage. Correct. Catastrophic. Catastrophic. Almost apocalyptic. And, it, and, it, and it, like, if you, if you even... The one that's heading out to space now. You put that in the middle of New York, you take out the whole city. Last news item. I don't know whether this is a good news. This is meant to be the good news story. <laughs> but it's food, and I reckon whenever we're talking food, it's a good news story. Oh, I think it's a good news story. You know yeah, why? Yeah. yeah. If you're a turkey, this is a great story. Yeah. Do you do, Have you ever tasted turkey? Yeah, I don't like it. I've never tasted it. Yeah. I, I, I can imagine it. I would not like it. Someone yeah. said to me that chicken is quite moist and turkey's quite dry. Is that... So uh, how you? I didn't notice the moisture sort of dryness. It's the flavour I noticed. Yeah, yeah. So you're well. You're not really. A Let's meat. tell Alice what the story is. Well, I'm I'm not really a meat eater. You're not really. See, this is Hunty trying to to, to push the <laughs> push the agenda on here. I push. And I'm, and I push. And I'm slowing him down. <laughs> <laughs> Am I doing that on purpose? Oh, I hope not. I think you enjoy it. <laughs> Um, yes, both Hunty and I pretty much are, are um, vegetarians, but you, you've lived in America. 
Yes. Have you ever lived there during Thanksgiving? I have. I have. Got to be one of the greatest ideas I reckon they've ever come up with, where the whole nation stops, and what they do is they thank God for the blessings of the year that's just gone. And that's it's right. November, so they've just gone through their, their summer, their growing season. And I, and I guess it was the Pilgrim Fathers who started this beautiful tradition where they would thank God for crops and they were able to get through. Yep. So this Thanksgiving, you know what they found out? It's not the turkey that's the star. No, it's apparently not. I'm not surprised either because on Christmas Day there's a lot of food I like other than the main savoury dish, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. In fact, mate, I don't know about you, I'm full. I'm actually full by the time we get to Christmas dinner, <laughs> yes. just eating around the edges, man. <laughs> yeah, yes. It annoys my wife no end. And then I don't eat this beautiful savoury or whatever my wife. For me, it would be gluten steaks. Guess what's the most popular, the most popular food? And I am so in for this, and I so agree. Oh, I know what you like. So I'm guessing it's mashed potato? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's mashed sweet potato, but mashed. I don't care, man. Sweet potato or real potato, I like it. Cranberry sauce is the next. I wouldn't have a clue what that is. Um, and, and then they get into some of the other things, the breads and the dips. I know you love dips, don't you? Oh, yeah. I yeah. love some of the Olive Garden But dips. the reason I brought this, this news story in is, is I think it is good news because in a world of gloom where things go on so bad, there's chaos everywhere, anarchy, there's wars, and we're looking at troubles again with this rotten, rotten um, virus – Thanksgiving. Yes. Where an entire nation stops to thank God. Beautiful. That's got to be a good thing, hasn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's our news stories today. I think they again show us that Jesus is coming soon. Amen. And we do need to look up. We do need to lift our heads up. And we do, do need to know the signs. And you know how you do that, Hunty? How's that? Open your Bible. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Christmas, hunty. Yes, getting there. It's Christmas. 25 or so days Mate, to go. if they're putting up the Christmas trees and the lights in people's houses, it's Christmas. Yep. So i got another Christmas song, and it's a beautiful one. Nice. I, this is my favourite Christmas song. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Gloria in Excelsis Deo, and this is, a, this is a particular version of it, but I really like it, and I, and I hope you enjoy it. It's Billy Ray Hearn and Tom Felke, Gloria in Excelsis Deo.
if you could see what I could see, uh, our listeners, you, you'd know Hunt is really enjoying oh, that. I'm loving that. He's up the front oh. and he's leading. Oh, that was so good. Yes, he's leading the choir and the orchestra. I like Vivaldi's entire oratorio called Gloria. Yeah, that's not Vivaldi's entire uh, oratorio. No, they though. stole the start and the finish. <laughs> Rod Johnson. Hey, mate. Welcome How to the program. Thanks, mate. Where are we talking to you? Where are you at the moment? I'm at Corumban in my um, in a bedroom where my temporary office is, overlooking the beach. Ah, you're, you're close to the beach, huh? Yeah, just looking over the beach. So yeah, it's nice. You know, right I used to live. Up, you know, I used to live up there, don't you, Palm Beach? Yes, you're a Queenslander, aren't you? Yeah, you, you know, I don't know whether it's still there, but there was a a, a smaller building about or oh, 15 stories high called Royal Palm. And then next to it was Princess Palm. And they're right, on, as when you go over the bridge at Corumban, they're right there on the beach. You know what I'm talking about? There's still the two biggest buildings there. I lived in the little one on the 10th floor, man. Nice. Oh, life's tough. I think I was, I was 27 years old, just started in ministry, single. I think that might have been the high point of my life, mate. <laughs> I've never lived anywhere like that ever since, and now I live in Riverston and Sydney, and God bless Riverston, but it's a lot different from where you are. Hey, mate, what do you do? Well, basically I'm a financial planner. You've been, of my time. You've been doing that a long time? I started when I was 19 in 1986, so that's 35 years this year. That's a long time. So you've had a lot of experience. <laughs> well, yeah. time oh. would suggest that. <laughs> you got your own business? I do have my own business. I've recently um, sold a fair portion of it, but, yeah, I still have um, a share in, in the original company I set up 35 years ago. So, Rod, are you headed into semi-retirement, mate? Well, semi-retirement is an interesting word. Um, I'd like to be, but that depends on where the Lord leads me. Yeah, okay. So you're open to what, whatever the Lord and wherever he might lead. He might lead you a long way from that uh, beach house at Corumban, mate. Well, he might. <laughs> we tend not to hear what we should hear. Uh, just lost it there for a moment. Maybe, Hunty, what we should do is flick to a song, okay. and that'll give you That's a song. That's a great idea. How's that, mate? Yeah, so the song, the song we'll flick to is uh, Come All You yes, Faithful. Let's it. have another Christmas Good carol. Call. And while, while, while you're listening to this, let's all pray that Hunty can get Rod back. There you go. Holy 
Hey, hey, Rod, I was just telling our listeners, you're a friend of mine. You're actually a friend of my family's for 30 years or more. Very good friend of my brother uh, and a mate of mine. But you're also, you are a a very competent financial advisor. You've been in finances for 35 years. And I just want to ask you some questions. um, And I want to get your perspective on a few things. And the first one I really want to ask you is, how do you see, because we're hearing a lot of news that things are either good or bad. I mean, housing prices are going through the roof down here in Sydney. And I'm thinking up where you are. They're talking hyperinflation. Then they're talking big debt and and all sorts of things. Um, How do you see, with your experience, World financial conditions. Well, that's, that's that we could talk all day on this one, Lloyd. But um, look, there's no doubt in that COVID has um, had an impact on the world economy. You know, and if you ask the financial experts, we're sort of recovering from that. But there's a lot of disruptions coming with that as well. You know, the supply chains, there's ships all around the wrong places of the world, and and um, goods aren't getting to places and you know, that's likely to cause inflation. But, you know, the world as a whole, 
as a whole is definitely, you know, the big, the big elephant in the room is probably debt. Mm. There's mm. a lot of debt out there. And, um, you know, that causes issues. Is it talking about debt? Is there bad debt and good debt or is all debt bad debt? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it, debt's an interesting one. You know, like if, um, if you're talking about, uh, from a financial point of view, if, if it's deductible debt, then, you know, they call that good debt. And if it's non-deductible debt, they call that bad debt. But look, I think from a Christian point of view about debt, debt becomes a problem when it becomes, uh, when you become a servant to it. So you mean if the you debt know, Proverbs, t- takes over your life sort of thing? Yeah, you know, Proverbs 22.7 says, just as the rich rule to the poor, so is the borrower servant to the lender. I think that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if, if people aren't responsible with their debt levels, um, you know, it, it becomes a massive issue in their life. And we've seen that with divorce rates, you know. They account in America and, and Australia is pretty similar that, you know, Arguments and divorce is about sixty percent of problems in marriages, so it's quite a. Quite you, a large you think you think a lot of that comes from debt and and money. I do, you know, and um, it's interesting when you look at the Bible. You know, um, is it how Dayton wrote a book called "Your Money Counts"? But you know, he says, you know, in the in the um, the scriptures have five hundred verses on faith and prayer, mm. but there's over two thousand three hundred. Um, verses on how we and how to handle possessions and money, mm, mm, and that's mm. because God cares about that. But also, know I think you know that it also you know money dictates our time. It, it can take us away from God, mm, mm. and it can and it can deny um can de- deny God the opportunity to do things for Him because we're we're servant to our debt. Let me ask you this, and and, and I'll, I'll use a lower mark, but say say I was on fifty thousand dollars a year. Yep. When you're on $50,000 a, a year and, and, and you've got to live, what sort of a percentage of debt would I be able to incur in modern-day Australia and still remain comfortable and free? Yeah. Or, well, or is that impossible to answer? No, it's not. You know, I think, you know, when you talk about debt overall, the main thing about what you earn is you've got to learn to be content with it. But if you go for, if we want to say, you know, what, what's the ideal amount you should divide up your, your paycheck into, yeah. you know, if you start paying more than 30% of your net income, um, towards debt or, or housing or rental, then, then that can cause strain at some point in time. So 30% is usually, a pretty good golden rule, but you know, if you're young and single, mm. um, and you're not married, you know, um, you know, it, it might be different. But as a general rule, you don't want to, you don't want to, um, you really don't want to spend more than thirty percent of your income on debt. I reckon that'd be ringing alarm bells in a lot of people's heads here, and that, especially <laughs> living here in Sydney, because uh, I know that there are couples, you know, with the mortgage. Mortgage rate yeah. as high as it is here, spending sixty, seventy percent plus, and and don't really have the ability if interest rates move, and they they've got to move eventually to be able to survive it for too long. Um, and probably leads me to my next question: should should a young couple still invest in a home, or or, or a couple full stop? I mean, I remember my dad used to say to me, Lloyd, before you retire, you should own your own home. 
so that when you retire, at least you own your home. So I always took that seriously and I've worked toward that. But should a, in this day and age, I mean, I've got a, you've got, um, young kids yourself. Um, when I say young, youth in their, their teens, twenties. Um, yeah. I've got a young daughter who's not far from marriage and, and another one, uh, son and daughter. So up there in their early twenties when they get married or even before they get married, should they invest in a home? Is that a good investment as a Christian? And I say as a Christian because as you just said, you don't want to become a slave to debt. Yeah. Look, this is a really, we could talk about this one for quite some time, but, you know, with, with young people, it's interesting, Lloyd, I'll, I'll divert and come back and answer this in a roundabout way, mm-hmm. but with young people, I've got this talk that I do called The End in Mind because what I've found with a lot of young people, they really don't know what they want mm. um, or where they're going or who they want to be would probably be the better way to put it. But if you ask, I've done these stats where I've asked um, hundreds of young people now, you know, what's the main things in life you want to achieve? And it's interesting that there's always three things that come up and there's only usually ever five. And the the top three things is is when you ask young people, you know, what they want to achieve, they want to get married, they want to have a family, and they want to own a home. Mm, mm. And the other two that creep into it is that um, they want a good education mm-hmm. and they want to travel. Yep. Now, if and and to me, uh, if you want to say, you know, just how does finance relate to God? Um, you know, Adam was on earth. He was by himself. He was lonely. So God provided a wife and then Adam provided for his family. And I think innately that's, one of the beautiful things about who we are, we all want to have a family. They're, they're the main things that people want to have. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go back to, you know, should they buy a house, there's an interesting stat that came out last year, and I can't remember who it was from, but it said that the average Australian who retired um, and owned his own house, his net average wealth was 950000 mm. And the average Australian that retired and didn't own his own home his net wealth was less than 100000 mm, That's a serious stat, and, isn't it? Yeah. So my view is now is that the younger you get in and start and get, in and get into a house, you can. Unfortunately, the myth is that they can't get in and save for a house. But young couples can save for a house. Mm. And if you go back to that, um, you know, the stats of what most young people want, the reality is if you do want to have a family, you're going to probably want to live on one wage for a certain time while mm. you raise a child. Mm. Um, that means if a young couple are um, you know, are engaged or, or you know, married and, and they're both earning an income, well, they should, if they, if they really wanted a house, they could put that whole wage aside and use that as a deposit. And, you know, we've had a lot of clients that have used that technique for a long time now and they all own their own home. Is it a good idea, Rod, if you're young, to go and talk to a uh, if you could find a a Christian financial advisor and get advice and that sort of thing? Or yeah, I mean, look, I I think it is. I I I think you know when young people get married and they have, and you know they go and have counselling. I've got quite a number of pastors that send young people to me for financial advice, and we we talk. We basically line out what they want to do in their life, which Mm. is get married, have kids, and own a home. And then you can plan it out. And look, owning your own home and not paying rent because rent goes up the whole way through your life, you know, whereas house repayments go down. 
mm-hmm. relative to inflation. So if, if you want to create wealth and have, um, you know, and have low debt and reasonable debt on your house, it's much better than paying rent. But it's also the cornerstone to making sure you've got a, you know, a more financial secure future. Sometimes, you know, sometimes would it be fair to say it's better to, to lower your expectations a little bit too? And uh, as a young couple, you don't have to buy an apartment or a house in the middle of Sydney, three kilometers from the Harbour Bridge. Um, yeah. Uh, you yeah, can, you yeah, can, yeah, you can start off a little easier. Hey, what about credit card? Good, bad, ugly, pretty? <laughs> well, Credit card debt, in my experience with my client, you know, if a client rings us up and we usually get a good feel for people's financial position, but if people have got credit card debt, they usually, they usually probably need to set themselves a bit of budget and have a rethink of things. Look, there's some so, really interesting... So are you saying that all of us should not have credit card debt? Well, I'm a, I'm a lover of the debit card. Yep, yep. Because... Because, you know, when you, the thing about a credit card, if you don't pay it off in full by the end of the month and the due mm. date, you're paying around about 20% interest. Mm. So if you, here's an interesting stat for you. If you've got a credit card of $5,000. Yep. And you don't pay it off, that's $1,000 a year you're paying in interest. The bank makes over a 40 year term about $4 million out of that credit card. Wow. Now, if you didn't have that credit card and you saved that $1,000 for 40 years and invested it, that'd be worth $400,000. That'd make a big difference to a lot of people's super and their end end of life uh, finances. Yeah, so should we, should, should we be having credit cards? No, we should, we should try and um, yeah, do a proper budget, save money and, and use a debit card. That's challenging, Hunty. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, I, I'm challenged by what you're saying there, Rod. Yeah. Well, some people can, some people can handle that. Some people can't. You know, if you're, if you're a spender and, you know, we've had some chronic cases of credit card debt, you know, two and three hundred thousand. Wow. Um, but, you know, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, it's interesting when you compare all this, Lloyd, you could probably say, you know, what does the world say about this and what does God say about this? Yeah. Um, you know, the Bible is pretty clear on, on, on debt. You know, it says, you know, oh, no man, nothing is one yeah. text I can think yeah, of in yeah. Romans. But, but really, you know, if you're paying absorbent rates and it's good business for the bank, mm. it's, it's, it's something you should avoid because it's a massive trap. And if you go for a loan as well, this is the other thing. If you go for a loan, your credit card debt is added on, yeah. is, is a deterrent to a bank. So yeah, it's yeah. not it's not a good look to get your first mortgage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, uh, I, I think that's probably not just good advice for the um, young people, but for the oldies too. Um, credit cards are a yeah. trap. Uh, what about saving? Is that still important in two thousand twenty one? The reason I ask well, that is I talk to a lot of people. You know, I'm out on the road like you. I talk to a yeah. lot of people. Now I don't get into their finances like you do, do I? but I do know a lot of people are not saving. They're just just barely surviving with not a lot of fat in life to do anything, you know. Um, yeah. Saving. Talk to us. Well, I think the interesting, going back to stats again, I hope this doesn't become about stats, this program, but one of the things I learned really early on in my career, or one of the studies I wrote, read, was that, 
you know, there was a question once asked, if somebody earned $2,000 a week and, 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 and another person earned $1,000 a week, which one's better off? And of course, everybody will go, oh, it's the guy that's earning $2,000 a week. Mm. But then they say, well, if, if the guy that's earning $2,000 a week spends $2,000 a week and the guy that earns 1000 only spends 500 he's better off. Mm-hmm. And this, what what um, what the stats are basically showing that if you don't learn to save in your in your, in your early twenties or by your early twenties, it's very hard to change that later in life. You've got to get those patterns down. You've got to get the pattern down, you know, quickly. But yes, you should you should save. And you know, the Barefoot Investor writes you know a whole lot of good stuff about this. Yeah, that, my wife's you know, a big fan run. of him. Yeah, you know he's mm. he's got these different buckets, but it's good to have. You need to have a reserve somewhere there where you can draw on money for emergencies. In, in, Australia, in Australia, what sort of a reserve should a, should an average family, say, of four have? Well, you know, depend on how much they earn. But I mean, what what do you think's reason? What's a minimum reserve, no matter what you earn, that you should have in the bank? Well, I'd like to see you know if you got a family of four that you had you know between. Five and ten thousand minimum, but but you know we still got four kids, Lloyd. Um, you're in the you're in the hardest part of your life financially. You you know usually when you're younger, you're not on the big, you know your wages and at its maximum. Yeah. Uh, but you got the most commitments and probably the most debt. So, but yeah, you should you should you know uh, uh, budget's a bad word, but people view budgets. You know, it takes away my ability to do things. But um, if you do a budget, you can prioritise what's important and it actually gives you the freedom then to go spend on the things you want to spend on as a priority. And it gives you the ability to save money for emergencies. If you're in in desperate trouble financially then and there seems to be no way out, is there ever a place where there is no way out or should you always go and try and find someone to give you, who knows finances to give you some advice? Is it, have you found there's usually a way out? That's, that's probably my question there. Look, I think there's always a way out. You know, if, if somebody is really in desperate, you know, and there's good helplines you can go to too or, or ring up a planner and places like that. You know, I guess at the end of the day, somebody's got too much debt and that's, and that's where you're driving at. Well, you can always, you know, the last case thing you, you want to do is you can, you can, you, you know, you clear your debt through bankruptcy. Mm. But you know, that's not that's to me. That's the last thing you'd want to um, try and do. Most people, you know, if you're into trouble and you go talk to me, even people like yeah, and the banks or credit card people, most most places will help you get through it. Mm. But you know, if you are in if you if you are in that situation, um, sometimes you know it's. it's it's also it's, it's a sh- you know there's shame involved in that, mm. um, but yeah, I I always think that there that to me there's always a way out. You know, quite often it's making hard decisions and changing yeah. spending habits. Yeah, so I always think there's a way out. Must be rewarding when you get someone who's in trouble and you're able to help them through and out from the darkness into the light. Hey, one more question because we're out of time. Uh, well, two more. <coughs> uh, firstly, can we get you back again, Rod? Because I've got some more questions I want to ask you. Sure, mate. Uh, last question, and it's just a general one. Um, does your, a bit an important one, and we'll finish on this one today. Does your relationship with Jesus, and you, I know you, you have a good relationship with Jesus, you're passionate about Jesus, does that have any impact on your, on the way you deal with money and finance? Your relationship to money and finance? It does, and I think that's why 
why Jesus talks so much about and the Bible talks so much about money and possessions. And, you know, it's a shame in the Christian world that, you know, sex and money seems to be the two topics that are a bit more taboo than everything else, but they're yeah. probably the two the two topics we need to talk about, you know, because, you know, money is tied up in so many people's identity as well. But, yeah, if you, you know, if you're struggling for money and, you, and you're tied up all the time, it can take you away from God. Definitely does, and you know, and I think the other thing is, you know, if, if you if you're good with your money and you use it how you, you know, the world says for everything there's Mastercard, take everything you got, mm, mm. you know, because you're only here for a short time. You know, the Lord says, you know, well, if if, if you handle the money, I say, I love this analogy, Lloyd. Is that mm. I, I see, I I reckon our view of God is wrong. Yep, you know, on most times, and I think with money, you know, if we view God as this person that um, has got these rules and that but what I love about what about love about God in my view and about money is that my view of God is that he's everything mm-hmm. so if I can hand over my money to God and let him look after it then I'm in a better place spiritually mm-hmm. because he owns it all anyhow well, look, I'd like to go on and talk to you more, Rod. You're an interesting... I like talking to you just outside in life. You're an interesting fella. I want to thank you for coming on to our program. Can we get you again in the next week or two? Yeah, no worries. Thanks for calling I'll be here. Yeah, Thanks, I'm going to get Hunty to call you and we'll do that. Cheers to you, mate. Thank you for... And for what it's worth, Rod's actually helped me a bit in my own personal life through the years, and I thank you for that, Rod. Um, no, sorry. God bless you, and I hope we can talk to you again in the next week or two. Thanks, mate. See ya. Yeah. And God bless you guys too. Cheers, mate. Bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Now we're going to have we're going to have a song, Hunty. We are. <laughs> we're we're it's a bit it's about the since, cross since, by the Ball Brothers. <laughs> since we had oh, we're not we're, we're going we're even going offline. Okay, okay, fair enough. This is a good song. That's a let's, great. Song. Let's go for it, Hunty. All righty. It's not just about the manger Where the baby lay It's not all about the angels Who sing for him that day It's not all about the shepherds On the bright and shining star It's not all about the wise men Who traveled from afar It's about the cross, it's about my sin, it's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the Or the trophy 
trophies that I've won. It's not about the righteousness that I find within. It's all about His precious blood that saved me from my sin. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It is about the cross too. For sure. It's interesting when we talk to these guys like Rod and others, we talk about all sorts of different subjects on this program, but it all comes back to Jesus the cross and living a great life full of peace and joy as a Christian. And that's why we talk about these subjects. And this next one, with our next guest, Dr. Timothy Standish, part two. I've been looking forward to this all week. Hey, me too. Are you there, Dr. Standish? Hey, I've been looking forward to it as well. <laughs> well, you only got the questions late, so you haven't had a lot of time to look forward to it. <laughs> if we well, give if we give the questions to you too early, you get too much time to think about them. <laughs> that's right. The, the answers will be pretty spontaneous. Now, you're still in Australia, is that correct? That's right. Mm-hmm. Holidays for much longer? Uh, till Sunday. Is this, so I head back to California. Is this virus at all impacting your chances of getting home to California, or is, is things looking okay? I, at the moment, things are looking okay. My sister-in-law um, just flew back today, and it didn't seem to have any impact. So okay. It, it is very... Hopefully we're okay. Yeah, it is very uh, tender times, though, isn't it? I mean, things can change very quickly overnight, and what you thought you had. At least if you get stuck here, you are home, correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll certainly. There, there are far worse places to be stuck than in Taramara. Let's put it that way. <laughs> are you? When you get home, will you be teaching again at university pretty quickly, lecturing, or? Well, we'll be going straight into Christmas. Oh, okay. So, um, there'll be there'll be that, and um, 
currently, if uh, things go according to plan, I'll be actually going to a conference in Turkey in January. We'll we'll see if that travel actually happens. <laughs> yeah, that one might be a little bit shaky, I think. Well, it might you, be you a just... little bit dicey, and then it may be also that I uh, go down to Ecuador, to the Galapagos Islands, which is where um, uh, I am and my um, graduate, one of my graduate students, uh, have a really great project going. That'd be amazing um, doing that. Oh, it's it's. Truly spectacular, a massive privilege. Yeah, that would be. That's one of the great uh, wonders of God's creation down there, the Galapagos Islands. Well, that's certainly the way I would look at it. Um, It's it's interesting. um, The Galapagos Islands are famous because Charles Darwin Mm. uh, visited there as a young man on on the voyage of the Beagle. Mm. And uh, there's, there's sort of a... An apocryphal story, really, that um, he had an epiphany there, and that was how he came up with his theory of evolution. Now, he did he did use some evidence mm. from um, creatures in the Galapagos Islands to support his theory mm, mm. in his book, The Origin of Species. And there is a, there is a um, um, adaption going on at the very least down there amongst many of the animals. Yes. Uh-huh. Tell me this, um, and then we'll get into some of the questions I've got this week. Um, is it true or false? Did Charles Darwin deny God through this experience where he developed with others this theory of evolution, or, or, or did he become an atheist through it? It's, it's actually a fairly complicated story. We have we have um, very good evidence now because we can look at uh, Darwin's notebooks. You can go and look at them online. They're, um, it's amazing the access that, 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 that we have to these things now. And it's very clear that back in the 1830s, uh, certainly, he was um, a pretty dedicated materialist. Mm-hmm. And um, he was extraordinarily careful in his own um, uh, writing and so on, to um, uh, not associate himself with atheism uh, per se, which he would have was, been would uh, have been dangerous uh, for him back then, anyway, wouldn't it? Because it, he, well, there were plenty of atheists back oh, then. Okay. Uh, yeah. However, it would have meant that he didn't have the um, the. the People would not have listened to him in the same way mm, mm. Uh, as they did um, by him being very careful not to do that. And, and there, there were uh, many uh, interesting associations, for example, um, uh, between between him and uh, and those who are sort of referred to as radical free thinkers and stuff yeah. like that. And these were people who who were much further out there. Or even people like uh, Marx and Engels Mm, mm. um, as they were developing their political philosophy Mm. um, uh, saw what he had done as a kind of um, uh, scientific um, support or something that went along scientifically with their economic theories and political theories. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get into these questions. I like them. Yeah. 
kind of uh, taken off where we ended last week. I'll just ask right. it straight. Can a Christian take the six-day creation in the Bible? Can they take that narrative seriously? Well, I certainly believe so. I, I do, and, uh, and I'm a Christian. And um, over the course of, of history, um, many of the great scientists who were also very sincere Christians uh, certainly did so. Isaac Newton, uh, Robert Boyle, you know, these, these, these people who uh, laid down the um, foundations of modern science. Uh, chemistry and physics and optics and all of these mm. uh, sorts of things certainly took the biblical account of creation uh, very seriously and um, uh, saw it as a a uh, a record of events that that actually occurred. How how hard can it, how, how hard is it for a scientist today to to? Well, I think that it's probably as hard today as it's always been. Um, perhaps even a little bit harder, although I'm going to give it to you in a perhaps a way that, that sounds a little bit surprising to you. Um, the bottom line is, for me, I, um, as a biologist, it's a little bit hard to conceive of how it could possibly have been stretched out to six days because all of the, the bits and pieces that are necessary for living things to be in this state that we call alive versus dead uh, require that all of the parts be all there at once in a, you know, a, a fraction of a second. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little bit hard um, for me to understand how, for example, uh, from, from an ecological standpoint also, how you could have the plants being um, created on one day and then, you know, waiting a couple of days more until you um, have the, um, the the animals actually coming on the scene. So, because there's this, this so how, how do you, interdependence how, how between do you, plants how do you, and animals. How do you deal with that? Well, here, here's the bottom line. Everybody takes what they believe about the origin of things by faith in one way or another. The, the, the difference between a materialist belief in the spontaneous generation of life, for example, and, and my belief in the creation of life is that at least from, uh, in, in, in my understanding of things, or in the biblical understanding of things, I should say, uh, which I accept, the, the, the cause of the effect that we observe is adequate to account for that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have what's, what's called by philosophers a sufficient cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, who is um, all-powerful, you know, he's, he's omniscient, omnipotent, and, and all of these things. He has the knowledge, he has the power to do these things, is the cause of these things. Whereas when we look at and study nature acting by itself, it is quite clear that it doesn't have the capacity to 
achieve the outcome that is being ascribed to it, even if you start invoking, um, you know, billions of years and stuff like that. It's still, it's just not what nature does. Yep. It, it almost, um, what you're saying is it almost calls for a god. A well, creator. it does call for a god. A creator. You know, by, yeah, exactly. You, you need, it, 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 it's like saying, um, uh, you know, I turned on the light mm. and the lights, you know, they work by Legos or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Legos don't make light. Yeah. That's not the way Legos work. Um, you need you need a cause that is sufficient for that light when you when you flip the switch. And Legos just isn't it. Okay. Um, well, can someone be a Christian and not believe in a six day? This is a loaded question, actually. Yeah. And it's one I've actually uh, thought about myself because some of my friends who claim Christ are in this. Group, can you be a Christian and not believe in a six-day creation narrative? And I might follow I this. I might, so. I might follow up with some theology on this one to challenge okay, you a bit on this. Be, be easy on me. Remember that I'm a scientist, not a theologian. But um, it's certainly my belief that somebody who doesn't believe in the six-day um, uh, creation, as it's um, you know, uh, frankly written in God's with God's own finger in stone yeah. <laughs> in in the in the Ten Commandments. I mean the the only um uh first hand account that we have of these events is written in the fourth commandment in, in Exodus twenty. It's also repeated in Exodus thirty one. It's it's emphasized that this is what God wrote with his own finger. But can you in be a stone, can and you he be says, hey, I did it in six days. Can you be a creation? Can, can you be a Christian though and not accept that six day narrative? I believe so, and the reason I believe so is because the Bible is is quite clear that um, a Christian is somebody who um, accepts that uh, Jesus Christ was raised again on the third day and that He is Lord. Um, so those are the those are the um, criteria that I understand from you know reading the Bible are laid out. How would you and, a, how would you if you're a scientist? Let me let can I delve a little little more into this and maybe yeah. let me play the uh, I don't want to use the word hunty devil's advocate the black advocate. <laughs> no, I, I just I just want to ask the question because I'm asking a scientist and you you hang with these people so in some sense you can answer for them for me uh, and for our listeners. How can you claim Christ, though, when you don't accept the narrative of how sin came into the world? Now, let me follow that up. If creation is not as the Bible, you know, said, and it came about another way, let's not let's not talk about the, all the different ways it could have happened, but say it doesn't fit the, the biblical narrative. Well, in that biblical narrative of creation, you've got the fall of man. With the fall of man, you've got the promise of a saviour. Yeah. Which to me is probably the focal point of the creation. Because the creation story is just not the story of how our world came into being. It's the story of how sin came into being. So if you are, say, a scientist, now I understand the difficulties and the pressure scientists are under and, and, and men of learning in these areas beyond what you, well, not you, but we will ever face because we're not into these areas of study. But I am just interested if you, if you deny the, the sin story and the promise of a saviour, then how can you go to the cross anyway? And how can you, 
Do you, do you get the question? Yeah. yeah. What, what, what are you talking about is, I think, a well-recognized um, issue, which is what on earth was Jesus doing on the cross? If, if he was not winning uh, some sort of victory over sin, and if sin is not the cause of suffering and death, then what precisely was going on? Mm. Um, there are what I consider to be uh, very unpersuasive alternative explanations, like, he, well, he was just showing us how much God loves us, mm. or something, by dying for us. But I've got to say, you know, uh, Lloyd, if you said to me, hey, I'm going to show you how much I love you right now by killing myself, I wouldn't consider that an act of love. I'd consider it an act of actually barking mad insanity. Yeah. Um, so to me, it, that, that's not a particularly satisfying uh, answer. There are also, there are also some, some others. I, I should probably qualify what I said by, by saying, I do believe you can be a Christian. However, I do not believe that you can have a logical, um, a, 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 a logical, perfect, you know, sort of uh, situation going on. Because, um, yeah, you know, sometimes you can accept things by faith that uh, don't add up completely. And, and, and make complete sense. And I, I kind of see um, uh, people, for example, theistic evolutionists. Mm. I, um, I guess they're, that they're the ones I struggle with because of the yeah. way, because of the way it, I, I, look, I don't struggle with the idea that someone can believe that. that that's fair enough. But I, I'm struggling with the concept, and maybe this is theology clashing with science here, but I don't understand how you can accept theistic evolution when it literally annihilates the sin story? I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, so I, th I think that we're, we're probably in, in the same boat there. I want to be very careful. I don't want to um, be attacking somebody else's yeah. uh, belief that, um, frankly, I'm, I can't perfectly understand myself because for me to understand something it has to make sense yeah for me for me theistic evolution which is basically the idea that that this process of struggle and and the the death of various organisms and stuff you know billions and billions mm. trillions of things dying was the process that god used to create me and you and you know, gum trees and and everything else. It's it's um, the, the problem with the theory that I I see with it as a scientist mm. is that it is neither scientific nor biblical. You want your cake so and you want to of, eat it's it. It's kind too. of I would call it a perfect data free theory. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and if people want to believe that, that is. Uh, you know their business. As I said, I think that people can be Christians. I'm not, I, I'm certainly not putting my myself in the position of deciding whether a person can get into heaven or not. Well, that's a, that's yeah, neither. Yeah. That's but, not our place. I, I guess I'm just was yeah. just trying to 
uh, understand. Can, can I move on only because I've got more questions and I'm running out of time with you and you're going Go back, for it. You're Go going for back it. to America. I wish we could have you regularly on the program, Hunty. Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah, it would be at least once a month. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about the worldwide flood? Is it a is it a realistic scientific possibility or is this a, a, a Christian uh, myth? Faith. Myth. Well, it's not a Christian myth. It's, it, it would be a a Christian, a um, ancient Babylonian, a uh, a Muslim, a Jewish um, uh, uh, story. Uh, certainly, this is uh, you know the, the question is: Was there a um, you know a global Event that um, fits in some way with with what's described in the Bible, and uh, here's 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 one way of looking at it. I mean, certainly, you know, I I'm not a geologist myself, mm-hmm. so I want to be mm-hmm. careful about commenting on geological things. But uh, I I do work with uh, geologists, and um, I've also taken coursework in paleontology and these things. Yeah, yeah. it just interests me. And certainly, I see plenty of, of evidence for global catastrophe. Mm. I, I believe that, every, well, certainly every geologist, whether they're a Bible believer or, or not, believes that there is abundant evidence of global catastrophes. Mm. You've, you've, you've heard of this uh, before, uh, Probably, if you've heard the theory, for example, that dinosaurs were yeah. made extinct by by a um, an asteroid or something hitting the Earth, and it somehow or other killed all the dinosaurs, but none of the frogs, or <laughs> killed all the dinosaurs, yeah. but not the flowering plants. It's kind of it's, it's a very odd sort of uh, pattern that we see in the in the in the geologic record. There is evidence that can be brought to bear for that. The difference between my belief um, in the biblical record of history and the current um, uh, most popular, we usually call it the standard model at the moment in science, is that uh, those who believe this, this biblical account of what happened believe in only one global catastrophe. Yeah. Whereas... In the standard model, you're talking about, you know, something on the order of five, maybe more global catastrophes. In addition, in the biblical account, you have at least some explanation for how the land animals, the, the, and by the way, there, if you look at the biblical account, we're talking about, um, the, the vertebrates, like yeah. you know, cows, yeah. um, lizards, that sort of thing. Yeah. We, we have some kind of reasonable explanation for how they could survive such an event. While, um, uh, you know, I mean, at what point do you start invoking miracles when you're having five global events that wipe out the vast majority of life on, on Earth? Every I, single one of them. Okay, well, look, um, by the way, before I go off further with you on this, a dinosaur's rip? I believe so. I mean, I, I can't imagine um, uh, why people question dinosaurs. Really, I mean, my 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 colleague, whose office is next to mine, is a is a paleontologist who is working on one of the most spectacular dinosaur trackway sites. 
Um, did they come on the? Did uh, they come seen, on the I've ark? Seen, I've seen the bones in the rock. Yeah, yeah, I think we all have actually. Did they come on the yeah. ark? Well, I wasn't on the ark. You know, that's something that you would have. You, you'd get a much, you'd get a much more authoritative uh, um, answer from uh, somebody like Noah. However, <laughs> I personally don't see any reason why they wouldn't have been on the ark. Um, there are plenty of organisms that have gone extinct. Created, Clearly. created by God, not men fooling around with DNA or anything. You know, you hear these wild theories. Just... Oh, I know. You, you get you get lots of lots of uh, pretty enthusiastic theories yes. out there, and I should tell you, those have been around for a very long time. Yeah, um, yeah. I I was recently reading something called the Book of Jasher. Yeah. Which which is is a um, kind of book that was put together by um, Jewish scholars, I believe, in the eleven hundreds. And in the book of Jasher, they talk about how um, <clears throat> the uh, the antediluvians they mixed they, they they taught the mixing of different mm. kinds of animals, mm. and by doing this, they defaced the image of God. And this was what precipitated yeah. the flood. I've God had to too. intervene at that particular point. Yeah. So this is this is an old idea. Um, it's not necessarily a biblical idea, but yeah. it certainly is one that's been around for a long time. And the simple answer is, I don't know. However, the, um, the, the fossil dinosaurs that I've actually spent a lot of time looking at, for example, we've got a beautiful, beautiful specimen um, in the building I work in. Yep. These look like perfectly normal Perfectly normally sized animals. Too, okay. By the way, okay. we get we get very impressed by the, the the largeness of them. But the biggest animal we know of of all time is living today. That's the blue whale. Yeah, and yeah. dinosaurs were not on the you know the size of whales or the big ones anyway. And uh, they they were the largest land animals that we know of. Um, yeah. Okay, I, I think yeah. I think your explanation's good there. Um, what about the divergence of animals after the flood? I've often been interested in that. And you talked about the Galapagos, Galapagos Islands. Yeah. You talk about Australia, which has a very unique uh, um, set of flora and fauna, animals, and all yeah. sorts of things. Have you ever thought about that, or is that not something in your well, that's, that's actually um, uh, what I do study. Yeah. You know, how do how do we wind up with the kinds of organisms that, that we that we that we have, and how did they get to the various places where we find them? And uh, obviously, like all scientific things, you're dealing with limited limited data. We only yeah. have the fossils that we have found. And uh, and so on. <clears throat> what is obvious from looking at living things is that at least some organisms are capable of adapting very rapidly to changes in their environment. Here's the thing that you'll notice about that: to be able to survive in under changing conditions requires some kind of anticipation that organisms be able to do that. They are engineered, if you want to put it that way, to do that sort of thing. And so what I would call it is almost pre-adaption. The organisms have built into them. We call that kind of thing teleology. Somebody anticipated a need that these organisms would have and engineered the ability into them to adapt 
to those changing circumstances. I think we can see that in nature today. Uh, oh, certainly. In, in real certainly time. Hey, um, um, is, is, it, yeah. is it now, I talk as a pastor <laughs> and, mm. and, and a person, I did pass biology in year 12, but failed. Good going. Yeah, <laughs> failed chemistry miserably and maths and yeah. quickly pulled out to history and English areas that I, I was far better attuned to. But so, so this <laughs> is a question from that sort of background. Excuse this question, but is it possible after the flood that there was a miraculous aspect where God puts animals in different places of the planet? Or is that, am I, is that, well, you know, or shouldn't I look at things like it, that? It's possible. It's but not, possible. But, but not probable. Well, here's the thing. Oh, hey, look, I'm I know as a scientist. You're the pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so you're probably in a better position than I am to talk about what God may or may not have done. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. In, as scientists, what we study is, um, is nature itself. We're asking questions about the, you know, how, how are things? Uh, um, so, I can look at things like, do organisms adapt to changes in their environment? And lo and behold, they do. They do do that. Um, uh, on the other hand, you know, can I answer a question like, is it God who is getting in there and, and tinkering with their genes a little bit so that they can do that? I, I, I can't, as a scientist, I, I'm not really no, no, I understand. equipped. To do that. What, what about there's a kangaroo in Australia and there's no kangaroos in America? There's mm-hmm. a brown bear in America and there are no brown bears in Australia. Yeah. There's this funny little thing that causes havoc on my farm and he does, and that's the wombat. Causes havoc, <laughs> digging big holes all over the place. He's yeah. here in Australia, but he's not in Europe. Um, yeah. The divergence of animals around the planet is that just animals after the ark? And the flood just spreading out and ending up where they're best suited? Because it seems to me when you've got the climate of Australia, which is very similar to, say, California, and it is, mm-hmm. although California, you could argue, is a drier, perhaps a drier heat than Australia, but, but anyway. Um, Depends on where you are in California. True. You, you would think there would be kangaroos in California and Australia. Well, you know, there were wallabies in, in Hawaii. <laughs> okay. Somebody, somebody let some loose there and they, uh, and they rapidly adapted to the circumstances. Yeah. Then after a while, I can't remember exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. They, they ended I, I up shutting up. So, look, the, 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 the interesting thing is, if you look at, at, um, uh, the fossil record, you see, um, marsupials showing up in Europe okay. in the fossil record. You see them, and you see lots of them showing up in South America. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, when those, uh, what, what we think of today as Northern Hemisphere organisms, mm-hmm. um, encounter these Southern Hemisphere organisms, uh, the Northern Hemisphere organisms, the, the Eutherian mammals, seem to outcompete okay. the, the, um, Gotcha. The, the marsupials. But, you know what? In the Americas, they do have at least op- opossums. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we have them around our house, and they are a marsupial. Mm. And the theory is that they migrated up from South America to North America. Well, look, so, I, might, I, I might hold you on that because we're going to have a song, but I don't want you to go away. Will you stay? 
Sure. So we're going to have a song. Uh, just a Christmas song. Hey? It's a Christmas song. Oh, it's a Christmas song. Yeah. Hunty's going to introduce. Don't go away time. because I want to pick up exactly where we took off. Is that okay? Sounds good. What's All the right. song, Hunty? The song is O Come All Ye Faithful and it's by Stephen Potgeiter. Is that how you say that it? That sounds good. Beautiful. See you. 
Beautiful song, Hunty. Excellent. Have you got my Christmas present yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I want to welcome back Dr. Timothy Standish from, uh, it is Loma Linda, isn't it, University? Well, I, I'm an adjunct professor at Loma Linda University. Yeah. Yeah. However, um, I work for the Geoscience Research Institute, which is on the campus of that university, but that's my employer. Who are they, by the way? Are they... Uh a church organisation? Are they, are they uh, yeah, scientific? How does that? How do they work? Who funds them? Um, yeah, well, we get we get funding from a number of different sources. Um, a fair fair amount of it comes from the Seventh Day Adventist Church, okay. which is kind of an interesting thing. You know, um, churches, uh, various denominations, and and church. The, the Christians in general have a long history of uh, um, supporting science in various ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, well some of the greatest yeah. scientific discoveries and scientists, as you said, have come out of the Christian movement. It's, it doesn't necessarily, yeah. Christianity and science doesn't necessarily have to be at war. Um, no, really the idea of, of a war between science and, and faith is, is kind of a, 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 a myth. Yeah. Um, a, a useful, um, rhetorical tool in, in certain kinds of discussions. I think uh, not, your, not your work is is part of bridging that gap. Would that be right? That sometimes can be perceived to exist, uh, in that you're a Christian well, and a scientist. Yes, um, everybody. You know, the, the the idea that that faith is somehow or other separate from from science mm. is not a um, uh, a reflection of reality. Yeah. Everybody's everybody has a faith of some kind or yeah. another. Yeah. Um, you, you've heard me refer repeatedly to materialists or mm. materialism. Mm. Um, that's a religion, just as much as yeah. Catholicism or Hinduism or you know atheism is a, is a religion. It, it, it even has its it, it states its theology in, in in its name. I like to um, say actually that Doctor Dawkins. Is a man of faith. It's oh, he is. He just has a different. <laughs> he has a different faith than I do. Hey, look back to these questions because we're running out of time. And I do want to get through these today because I realise I'm. All right, we'll do our best. Yeah. Um. Um. Is the biblical aging of the earth, and what I mean by that, if you go through and you have a look at the narrative in Scripture, the earth seems to be about six thousand, and it's a pretty rough guesstimate, really. To be honest, especially when you get even into the theology of it, uh, and you look at the way uh, they do their genealogies, it's it's not exactly a tight historical document. I know you realise that, but more or less, the world is, according to the Bible, if you were to look pretty carefully, somewhere around six thousand years old. Does that matter, and is that feasible? Well, um, first of all, the question of does it matter, I, I believe that it does, because um, obviously if, if all of these numbers are just made up out of whole cloth, well, why wouldn't you believe that everything else was made up out of whole cloth? So there, is a, um, there would be questions about the reliability of, of Scripture as, mm-hmm. a, as a record of history. And of mm-hmm. course, um, the Bible... And uh, Christian theology is rooted in reality. It's not. It's not like um, uh, uh, some other religions. And I, I don't want to 
uh, be attacking other people's religions. Yeah, okay, yeah. so I want to be want to be very careful about this. Yeah. But as you as you probably know, there are some. Uh, communities of faith that believe that everything that you take in through your senses is an illusion. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you know, the important thing is consciousness and and this sort of thing. Um, That's that's great, but Christianity is is rooted in reality, real history, uh, real events that occurred, um, you know, over the course of history. So um, there is that side of it. There is also the, 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 the question of, of God's goodness, in my opinion. I mean, how long is God going to mm. allow the, um, the, 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 the state of, of the world as we observe it today to continue? Mm-hmm. In our lifetimes, we've seen terrible yeah, we have. suffering, mass death, the, the extinction of organisms. Mm. Um, how long can a good God allow that to 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 go on and um and of course the the biblical god is a good god mm, mm. and uh, and that's why you see in that in that sort of overarching narrative of history uh, past present and future that you find in in the bible that's why we we see that it's going to conclude at some point. We're not going to, we're not caught in some unending uh, series of endless cycles of death yeah. and life and death and death mm. and life and suffering. And <laughs> is it and, is it fair to say then that the Earth? You know, I I turned fifty eight the other day. Oh, uh, congratulations! Oh, it was a little. So wild. did I. Are you fifty eight? Yes. Well, you're looking a lot better at 58 than I am, Dr. Standish. Uh, there you go. It's all this, it's all this good living <laughs> yeah, that I do. It, it is. Um, uh, look, um, would it be fair to say that the Earth then, if it's a young Earth, it still is an Earth that's ageing and like you and I will one day die if God was not to come? Well, it certainly looks like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it does. I've often yeah, asked it, that it, it, question it, it, to myself. There are, there are many, many, many reasons to um, think that the Earth and life on it is is not going to last forever, independent of the God who created it. Yeah, yeah, it does seem like that. Um, evolutionists, there's a science called abiogenesis. I hope I said that rightly. Right. Abiogenesis. Yeah, usually a, a, a biogenesis. Thanks for that. Yes. Um, it's it's the science of how inorganic life jumped the chasm mm. and became organic. In other words, um, maybe I'm saying this wrong, and you can correct me. How a rock turned into life, or, or whatever. Yeah. How non-living things. So there there is a a law in biology. You know, just like there are yep. laws in physics, like let's yep. say yep. gravity. Yep. Um, the the law in biology is um, that living things only come from other living things. That's correct. So, so when I look at Hunty, for example, um, I assume that he had a mother. <laughs> well, I've actually seen his mother, um, and uh, um, you know, but but we know that we. We, we know that for an absolute certainty. So when we, when we look at any living thing, we know it came from yeah. another living thing 
in the in the same general category of organisms. Gum trees come from gum trees, possums come from possums, and uh, wombats come from wombats. Uh, is, it, so is, is, is ABO... Now, am I saying that right? Abio- Abiogenesis. Abiogenesis. Remember that, Hunty? Got it. Because we've been talking about this for a long we time. Have. Abiogenesis. Is, yeah. is this an uncomfortable science for the evolutionists? Well, what, this, this is one of those situations where every few months you see victory declared <laughs> in this particular quest to figure out how on earth you could get living things from things that were not living. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, let's, let's just say that um, you, you started out the easy way yep. with a dead body. Yep. And the problem is dead bodies don't come back to life. No, they don't. That's why we as Christians consider it to be a miracle mm. when Jesus Christ came to life. And yet, in that dead, in a dead, in a corpse, you have absolutely everything you need. That's right. For a living human being, except for something, <laughs> because they're not coming back. It's it's um, you know that that harsh, harsh, harsh reality that all of us have had to face yeah. in life. Um, the only being who seems to have uh, figured out how to do this is God Himself. Um, he um, he creates life, and we don't know how he did it. Is it fair to uh, say then that abiogenesis is a science that's trying to discover the spirit of life that God puts on in everything that's alive today? Well, I guess that that would be one one uh, way of putting it. I would call it a an act of faith, profound faith by those who believe it must have been this way. Mm. Um, and again, it's trying to overcome this problem of the, the fact that life itself, we, we do not have, you know, nature is not an adequate explanation mm. for the origin of life. Mm. So we're looking for 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 that explanation because it just it just isn't there. Yeah, and that could be a science that they'll be looking hard until Jesus comes. Look, I've, I've got to keep moving because I've got three more questions, yeah. and I want to ask them to you, and then I want to get some sort of a commitment from you that in the next month or so we can get you <laughs> back from the United States because I, I've actually sure got, we can work it well, out. I've got more questions I'd like to ask um, from from your perspective on on the development of man and and some of the discoveries that that make Christians squirm a little, but that's for another time. Um, yeah. Should a Christian take by faith the Bible narrative over? the scientific one, when it seems to conflict? I believe that all of us need to be very careful about this sort of thing, okay? And, and I, I know that what you're wanting is a yes or no answer. Uh, I'm, I'm not wanting it. I actually want to hear from you as a scientist. Yeah. yeah. Here, here's how I look at it. Um, the Bible encourages us to use our senses. Uh, if, if you look at something like um, the beginning of of First John, for example, where John is writing this letter to somebody and he's saying, 
that which we've seen, that which we've heard, that which we've handled of the Word of God, so on. He's saying, this is stuff we took in through our senses. Mm. He's, he's saying, this is, this is science. I'm not just asking you to believe some fanciful story. I am an eyewitness. Mm-hmm. Scientists, um, in the best sense of, of, of the word, are eyewitnesses to things, and we're trying to understand stuff. That um, should not be ignored. Mm-hmm. In, fact, in some ways, it's disrespectful. We can be disrespectful as Christians to our scientist brethren who may not have the same faith as we have in the way we respond to them. Is that correct, or have I... Yes, I mean, come on, you know, we, we can be respectful to everybody. Yeah, we don't we have to agree. That's right. That's one of the great things about Australians. We disagree, but we still like each other. Oh, Hunty and I have been um, doing that. Not, not everybody's experts. like that. <laughs> <laughs> but but here, here's, here's, the, here's the flip side of this, this whole thing, and that is the history of science is the history of scientists being wrong about stuff, profoundly wrong. Yeah. You, know, you start with Aristotle. He was a great thinker and things. But Aristotle was wrong about an awful lot of stuff. <laughs> yes. I mean, he it, it just seems like it would have been so simple. But he says that women have less teeth in their mouths than men. <laughs> Why didn't he just go and, you know, try over a few women's mouths and start counting the teeth? But instead, he just uh, came out with that. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. Um, so there's... Scientists, we're just wrong. Every, um, you know, every day there are papers published saying, whoops, we were wrong about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it could be something big or it could be something, something little, uh, but there are major, major scientific revolutions because we're finding out we're wrong all the time. I just had a cheeky, so I just had a who, cheeky, who say, I just had a cheeky thought when you said that. Hold that point. Don't go, come back to it. But <laughs> does that mean they could, no, I won't say it. I was going to say, could they be wrong on the, on the, on the COVID-19 vaccinations? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Let's, let's not go there. I'm, I'm just being a bit cheeky. Go on, go on. Yeah. But, but yeah, you know, scientists scientists are, are wrong about things. The whole the whole the whole idea of science is to discover where we are in fact uh, wrong about stuff. Mm. And if we um, uh, um, if we are wrong, we want to know it, right? Um, you know, so you know we can problem. we can learn from scientists there as Christians, can't we? Because that's not well, always—that's so. not always our attitude, Doctor Standish, as Christians. Sometimes we're always right, and yet we can. Well, do, you do, yeah, you, I know. You know, I I have this problem that sometimes I speak in churches, and what I find is that every church, pretty much every church of every denomination that you go to, there's one person there who knows it all, <laughs> at least one. Um, but uh, and, and they're fascinating people in their own. Well, actually, they're the most boring people in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The bottom line is we don't know everything. Yeah. But here's here's my point: when people start saying, "Hey, the Bible um, is is in complete agreement with with science, the science of today," somebody's cooking the books. Mm. That's not true. Mm. You know, it is. It's normal to have some tension between. Um, between any two sources of knowledge, mm. 
because we don't know everything and uh, and this that and the other thing. But you know, let's let's say the Bible was in complete agreement with the science of I don't know two hundred years ago. Well, in that case, it there are only two possibilities. Mm. It's either not in agreement with the science of today, or it is. It says nothing. <laughs> you know, it's 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 it because if it says nothing, it can be in agreement with everything. Is is the Bible? But if it says something, it cannot be in agreement with everything. Yeah. So, um, science, because it is an always changing understanding of nature, hopefully always getting a little bit better, is going to never perfectly agree with. The, the biblical record of history. Okay. That's just not going to happen. Two more questions, and we're going to have to be pretty quick. We're down to four minutes. Well, all right. Is the Bible the anvil of truth that all other claims to truth are tested by? I believe it is, with one qualification, however. Sometimes, over the course of history, as you know, as a, as a, as a Bible scholar, we've gotten the Bible wrong, too. Mm. And is that the Bible or is it us? Where, where science can actually help us understand, yeah. you know, get a better understanding of things. So let's be careful about it. But you know, if 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 science comes along with some some something new that seems to be pretty well supported, let's make sure that we go back to scripture and make sure we've got that scripture right okay. before we declare, you know. The scientist who is is uh, proposing this idea to be an instrument of the devil or something. Yeah, I, I, we, I we've think we've got to be careful. Caution is a good thing, anyway. Um, yeah. Last question in your in your um, experience, what would you say to young people and even yourself? How do you maintain as a scientist? Now, I'm not a scientist. I often feel sorry yeah. for our scientists because the challenges they have seem to be of faith. There'd be so much more than what we have as normal people, normal people, average thinkers. <laughs> to go, yeah. How do you maintain personally? As we end on this, how do you how do you maintain your personal faith in Jesus Christ as a scientist? I would say there are there are a couple of things. One, I always try to keep the big picture in um, in in focus, which is that our world is an amazing place. That life is a fascinating and beautiful thing and I don't know everything. That's why I'm a scientist. I want to find out more. So um, maintaining um, a degree of humility about what we do know and appreciating those um, uh, very clear um, patterns, if you want to call them that, that are revealed to us through the the endeavor that we call science, or this process, this method mm. of understanding nature, it is amazing. Never, you know, I, I would urge everybody, and you don't have to be, you know, you, you can be a normal person, not one of us. Um, I don't know, maybe subnormal people uh, who call ourselves mm. scientists. You can, uh, you know, everybody can can appreciate the beauty, the 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 engineering that is in there. It is, it is absolutely glorious. The other thing that I personally choose to do is read the Bible. Um, I find that, that um, there are people who say the Bible says I, this I like and that. the other thing, I and like they're that. often wrong. 
Yeah. So it's good to know what the Bible actually says. Well, when you're in the Bible, you're in the presence of the Creator, the Master Scientist. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a beautiful. That's probably a that and prayer. These are probably good, um, good, good, good place to end our conversation. How fascinating has that been, Hunty? Awesome, loved it. Ah. Thank you, Doctor Tim. We fa- we are so appreciative that um, maybe uh, Hunty could negotiate with you to come back. And I'll try my best in a month or two, and we could uh, I could send you some more. Que- I really have some questions I want to I want to. Um, ask you yet but god bless you my friend you're doing a valuable work um this has been one of the most fascinating conversations and interviews we've had and i really appreciate that you've given us your your time and and go safely back to the united states thank you well thank you so much for having me i hope i make it back (laughs) chase travels see you later goodbye god bless you you're listening to the aussie pastor here on faith fm so, so, so fascinating, Hunty. Amazing. It is. Just, I could talk the knowledge, on. The knowledge that this man has in his head, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, I, I, for me, I find it, I'm so not a scientist, and I'm so far from that way of thinking, and I just find it fascinating to sit and to talk to someone and ask these questions I've got questions about and hear their answer and the way they, they go through life. Plus, I love his, his, his genuine spirit of inclusiveness. Yeah. It's great. It's called humility. Love Something it. we could both work we on. Could, we could both use a bit of that. <laughs> I'm going to let you introduce this last song because they're your friends. All right, it's the Heritage Singers, and the song is entitled It Won't Be Long.
But the father says, don't worry, for I've called you by name and you are mine. So when the flames of affliction threaten to ravage your soul, when the mighty waves of strife threaten to wash over that old ship of Zion, remember that it won't be long. For Jesus said, friends, I'm going to leave you now. But just as sure as I'm leaving you, I'm coming back to receive you. And when he comes again, this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. This marvel is going to put on immortality, for we shall be changed. Any day now, we'll be going home. It won't be long. It won't be long. It won't be long. Then we'll be leaving here. Going home. It won't be long. It won't be long. that song, Hunty. Oh, it's a great song. Because I think we will be going home soon. Can't wait. And a lot of these questions we asked today, uh, scientific questions, hard questions, not always easy to answer questions, mm. won't be something when we can sit down at the master's feet Can't and we can, we can ask him and hear his answer, the one who did it. Um, one of the things I'd like to encourage our listeners to do is to get to know Jesus, the creator, better. We have a brand new program, Hunty. It is brand new, and it's really exciting. What if you could share with our viewers what it is and uh, how happily, they can get to it? Happily. We have an online Bible study series called Hope, Meaning, and Purpose, and it's kind of centered around the book of Revelation, which is great end instruction book. for end times. Yeah, it for, sure for right is. Right where we are right now. So actually, the books of Daniel and Revelation are the best end-time books you can get. Absolutely, and, and, it's, and it's entitled Hope, Meaning, and Purpose, and if you would like... Us to send you out a link to it totally free. We're not going to chase you down. You can text us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email us info at aussiepastor dot com. Just send us the word revelation, and we will hook you up. How do you do that, Hunty? Uh, we can just text us the word revelation to zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or text and the then word what revelation. Happens? I mean, what happens after that? Well, um, our discovery centre will email you a link which will get you started. On this online, well, they'll text. Discovery. If you text, they'll text you a link. If you email, they'll email. That's you That's correct, link. absolutely. And when you press on that link, it opens up this brand new Bible. Yep, s- it's series brand new. Kaboom! The information it is, is fabulous. Yeah, can, yep. Look, if you're listening, you've got nothing to lose. 
Have a go. See what you think. And then let us know what you think about this brand new series. Please. We'd love that. Let's pray, yeah, Hunty. Yep. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for being with us today through fascinating two interviews. I pray now, Lord, that you'll be with our listeners, that you'll bless them, that you'll keep their hearts soft, and that they'll let you in, Lord, so that you can be the saviour and the God of their lives, because that is such a wonderful experience of peace. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer and being with us in this program today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. My name's Lloyd Grolman. And my name's Hunty, and we love you. Well, who are you? I'm the... Producer, director, <laughs> and I'm the Aussie pastor. And we what? We love you Hunties so early off much. the mark. We do love you yes. guys. That's why we do this. God Correct. bless you. See you next Indeed. time. Thanks for joining the Aussie pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 